I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is Internet Marketing. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 137 of Internet Marketing brought to you by Site Visibility and today another snippet from Brighton SEO. Uh, this one is entitled How I Learned to Stop Worrying About Google Algorithms and Love the People and it's by James Carson. Enjoy. Now first up we've got James, Car- James Carson. Um, who works for a company called Bauer, not EMAP. I always make that mistake because I used to work there a few years ago. Um, and he works on some amazing websites that all of you will know um, and be very, very familiar with. He's going to be talking about... In fact, I'll let him tell you what he's talking about because I'll just steal his thunder otherwise. Um, so over to James. Round of applause. Round of applause, yeah. So, thanks. Uh, so the presentation is called Dr. Social Love or How I Learned to Stop Worrying About Google Algorithms and Love the People. Now, a bit of a strange title and uh, I haven't just called it that because I love the Stanley Kubrick film but because I feel in SEO we spend a bit too much time worrying about minor factors that sort of do, may affect the Google algorithm but don't necessarily. You know, I don't want people waking up in a cold sweat because the H2 tag is not a H1 for instance. So... Um, Instead of that, I've found a lot more traction on building a people network and fostering a community with the brands that I work with. So I work for a company called Bauer Media, as Calvin said. Um, we own, we're the largest privately owned uh, publisher in Europe. So we own all of those titles up there. Um, we, uh, I'm always up for linkage from those titles. If you have a product that's right for us, we can do PR pieces and have links and you know, just talk to me in the bar if you think your product's a good fit for our audience. Um, I also run a blog called James Carson.co.uk's voice last social search. And on this slide deck, there's a little link um, through to a post describing that slide in a lot more detail. So not just a post about the entire slide deck, a post per slide. So away we go. So there's some really important factors this year in the humanization of search results. So I just want to get a show of hands. We've seen earlier a negative effect of Google Panda, but who else has been negatively affected or has a client that's been negatively affected by Panda? Right, so quite a few. And who's been positively affected by Panda? Yeah, so 
What I've noticed is the sites that are low quality, sort of there's, there's content similar to that on the internet, um, they've been affected. There's only one of our portfolio. But the one that's really benefited is FHM.com. And FHM.com provides a huge amount of original content within its niche, which is men's lifestyle, obviously, and you know, girls in lingerie and that sort of thing. Um, but it, it happened for quite a long time that US sites, um, a huge community, would just take magazine scans, um, put them on their websites, and build links to them because it's quite good content, and manage to rank higher than us on certain celebrity keywords. And I think that's quite ridiculous. And I think Google Panda goes some way in attributing us as the original content creator, and thus we've seen a benefit in the last update, uh, which is nice. And also we've got um, another important development, I think, is Google authorship. And we've seen you know, authors appearing in search results lately. And this is an important update for us because you know, content farms and the, the demand media model creates a huge wide breadth, breadth of content um, that pretty much games long-tail queries. And I think that devalues journalism, online journalism particularly, isn't very sustainable pre-Panda. And what's happened is there's now more value um, in having an authorship profile which is accredited over the long term. Now, a third factor is the social buttons, of course. And you know, at the minute, we're not quite sure how much they contribute as a ranking factor. Certainly Google Plus probably will. Um, Facebook Lite, there's some debate over it. But I actually think it's sort of wrong to look at these in the context of them forcing Google, um, Google rankings. So it's better to see them as social signals. So sharing on the, no the social networks that they're associated with. So obviously Facebook like on the newsfeed. But overall, it's best to think of them as people signals. Because no more do I have to be um, a website owner to accredit a web document. Anyone who has a social profile can now accredit a web document. And um, I think that's, you know, democratization of search results. And if that does affect it, um, you know, th there's democratization there. And there's two naked people if you've forgotten what they look like. <laughs> so here's Facebook like is a ranking factor. Um, this debatable point, uh, anyone who went to SMX might have seen Marcus Taylor from SC Optimize pretty much conclude um, through a data source that um, it didn't affect Google search results. But... Uh, I should just think, meh. Who cares? Like, it doesn't affect Google. Big deal. Like, Facebook like is so that it's shared on Facebook. It's not necessarily about Google. That's sort of just an added bonus at the minute. And there's, you know, some people think that Facebook's not for them. And I actually think you're wrong. <laughs> like, if you've got a brand and you don't think Facebook is for you, then just look at Compare the Meerkat. Because Compare the Market is just a price comparison website. And they've now got a million fans following a Meerkat that although it does a lot of branding for them and doesn't necessarily sell stuff, you know, the next time I go and search for my car insurance, I'm probably going to search for that meerkat. So there's just a few things on why I think everyone really needs to care about uh, social sharing. And these statistics were actually taken last autumn, so I think they've gone up quite a lot, and there's been no real research into it since, so we'll probably do some. Um, but first off, 42% of social network users get news through social networking sites. Then 43% of news sharing occurs via social networks. And then finally, 44% of all online sharing, so you think email, um, SMS, instant messenger, and all the social networks put together, Facebook is 44% of that share, and that was in December 2010. 
So it's probably going to be larger at the minute. So we talked about a bit about sharing content and why that's important. I'm not going to talk about um, what is shareable content because there's tons of blogs out there about that kind of thing. And the last presentation described that a little bit. So I want to talk about your Facebook posting strategy and how you actually rank on the top of the newsfeed. And why that's important, because you know, much like the Google search results, people are more likely to click your links, they're more likely to engage and comment on that, and when they click your links, actually, they'll go through to your site and they're more likely to share stuff as well, because they're in sort of Facebook mode. So how do we do that? Well, Facebook runs on an algorithm called EdgeRank, and um, by default, uh, it's top news on a desktop device. On a mobile device, it's most recent, and EdgeRank doesn't really work. It's all about um, the most recent post will be at the top. But on the desktop, which is still the most widely used, edge rank is what uh, drives the, the, the rankings. So in the bottom left-hand corner there, we have this thing called engagement. So if you take the middle triangle there, that's the object, that's the newsfeed post. The engagements um, on it, which are comments, likes, and shares, that actually drives you up the search results, uh, sorry, the ranking Facebook, Facebook newsfeed. And then there's a personalization factor in there called affinity. So this is about friend interaction. If my friend interacts with that post, and they comment or like or share it, then it's more relevant to me, so it appears higher up on my newsfeed. Um, and then there's this third point, time decay, which um, is pretty self-explanatory, really. You don't see posts that are five days old on the Facebook newsfeed. But I think with that algorithm, whatever. Um, just aim for post feedback, because that's the only one you can really do. And there is a way, a method... Um, that you could aim and engage and drive comments and likes. And here it is. So this is actually taken from a white paper from Buddy Media, which is a large provider of social applications. And they found with their clients that um, posts that applied um, any of these criteria would generally perform much better than posts that didn't include it. But I looked at it and thought, actually, you could have posts that include five of these, so every time you have five, um, you know, your engagement goes much up, uh, way up. And I think number 10 particularly, be explicit in your posts and tell people what you want them to do, like, like this, if, da-da-da-da, or comment on this, is really important. But the golden rule, of course, give people content that they are most interested in. So it's all very well, as on FHM, sort of uh, posting about some D-list celebrity, but we're going to get way more engagement if it's a picture of Megan Fox in her lingerie, to be quite frank. So we talked about sharing, and we talked about posting there. Now, this is a bit of a cliche in social media, I suppose, but your fans plus your fans' fans equals sharing success, or it should be your fans plus your fans' friends. Now, it's rather easier to build an influence network on Twitter by using things like clout and peer index. Um, but spend a day researching your targets using these tools. And you could use follower wonk as well. And you really need to look in your niche, if you've got a Twitter profile, of who the influencers are, use clout, and you know, mark them down into an A list, a B list, a C list, and the people that you want to um, build content for, that they'll share it. But then I found it's rather more difficult to do that like, on a personal level within Facebook because people don't really share stuff around like work or um, that sort of content. So I looked a bit further and found that you can actually align yourself to larger Facebook pro uh, pages. So celebrities um, or larger brands or you know, maybe an agency or something like that. But you can often find out who's behind these pages through a PR network. And if you know people in PR, 
Um, absolutely have a conversation with them about what Facebook pages they're running. And if it, if it works for your uh, vertical, then you, know, you could p perhaps make content for that page that they might share. Um, and you can also use a database called Gorkana, which is, connects um, journalists with PR agencies. So it's free to use, um, but there is a subscription there as well. So if you want to get really into it, then you probably have to pay. Now, anyone know who this is? No? Well, it's actually Will's mum from The Inbetweeners. And this is a case study of how we um, got all this, you know, sharing, posting, and networking all together. So we shot Belinda Stewart Wilson, who's Will's mum, for FHM uh, last September. And at that time, we. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We weren't really doing that much on social media. We were relaunching the website. So we left it on the sort of back burner. But then in the, uh, sorry, in the spring, like March and April time, it's coming up to the 100 sexiest women issue, which is like our biggest selling issue. So we thought, you know, we can do something here to push this a bit harder. So we saw on Facebook that the Inbetweeners page actually has 3 million people like this. So we got in contact through our media contacts with uh, the guy who was running this page. It's actually a PR agency. And we said to him, um, can you get your users to vote for Belinda Stewart-Wilson in the 100 Sexiest Women contest, and here's the link. And, you know, it's good content for him. It's really relevant to his audience. And as a consequence, you know, if she won the 100 Sexiest Women, that's not just PR in our media, like a lot of media reports on that. So that's a huge, huge spread, potentially, of, you know, um, engagement. So here are the results. He just sent one link to our profile. Oh, Will's mum, that was a good day. Uh, so we had 7,000 likes, so that page was shared 7,000 times, and it's estimated that you know, we had um, about a million newsfeed impressions, if you think that the average Facebook uh, person has 140 connections. And then we had 60 tweets as a sort of byproduct, and it's worth looking into this because people are in Facebook mode, uh, and they're connected to the Facebook API, they're way more likely to share on Facebook when they're pushed from Facebook, and it's the same per network. And then we got a number two ranking on Google, so... You know, the points around Facebook like isn't a ranking factor. I sort of think are a bit dubious, to be honest. 
And then overall we got 35,000 UK referrals in one day from this page. And uh, I've called this phenomenon uh, social spurting because, uh, or you could call it, basically uh, you have an analytics graph and it's sort of flat or going down if you're hit by Google Panda, but then you'll have this big spurt, um, or you could call it tent polling or something, something else that's quite rude. Uh, <laughs> but uh, basically, social spurt, um, I'm number one on Google for that keyword, so search for it. Um, there's a little guide to it. So with that in mind, we've, we've talked about that example, but I think that social media, if you have good brands and you've got a lot of connections, you can really work it to build all traffic sources and build community, community content. So here goes with a little model. So if you have a social profile and you build that by competitions, advertisements like Facebook social stories or uh, promoted tweets, and you, know, you use the engagement metrics um, as suggestions by Buddy Media, then you'll grow to a larger social profile. Now, what does that mean? Well, in media, this stage is probably about 10,000 likes, but this is a media vertical. Remember, we're national magazines. In your particular vertical, it could be much smaller. And really, I think the definition is when you can meaningfully have conversations with your uh, social media fans, capture data, and poll them so that you can publish that data back to your destination website or create infographics, whatever you want to do. Uh, so there's that stage. But then continue to grow it to an even larger social profile. So in media, I'd say this, this stage is about 50,000. Obviously, it changes from vertical to vertical. And you could continue to do the data capture and polling, but just be warned at this point, um, you are more likely to get a lot of pond life in your community that really um, have conversations with you that don't make a lot of sense, or there's a lot of spelling mistakes in what they say, and it's not really that useful. But still, at this stage, you can start sending good amounts of referral traffic back to your website. So um, on HeatWorld, we have 200,000 Twitter followers. That now sends between 15 and 20% of all traffic back to HeatWorld on a monthly basis. So that's a really good traffic source. It's no Google, but it's better than uh, Bing and Facebook put together. And then here's the clever bit, I think, if I do say so myself. Um, if you have a sort of network of blogs, then you can actually send them a social spurt. So you send them large amounts of traffic because you've got this equity of a large social media profile, and then in exchange for that, you can have a conversation that you, they build you one-way links. Because obviously, a social media um, link isn't a reciprocal link back to your website. So you can build one-way links through this method. Um, so you want to become so large that you can send people social spurts, and then they'll refer you um, and send you links. So that's the model. And so you've got referral traffic, SEO through the link building, and then finally, uh, you've got direct traffic because you've got a larger social media footprint um, and you're up on natural search as well, so you're likely to have better direct traffic and branded search. So then, uh, in terms of a network, you've got to build your fans and followers, use Facebook social stories, which are really cheap at the moment, um, contests and engagement with the buddy media um, suggestions, and then poll and ask fans questions, take that insight, and then create content. And then, additionally, build your influence network. Use clout, peer index, follower wonk, and Gorkana to create content that's relevant for your influencers to share and ask them to share it. And really, links come naturally via this process. So really, I think that's the SEO social nutshell as it is at the minute. Fix your site, but don't worry too much about it technically. You know, I probably should make an image sitemap, but it's not going to make as much difference as fostering this community. And when I have a finite amount of time, I really want to love my people, build a community, 
and do inbound marketing rather than worrying about minor technical changes. So that's that. I'm, I'm looking for hands in the air. Any around here? I've got my first question. Um, now, so talking about the edge rank algorithm, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of discussion and it's starting to build some momentum, people kind of talking about what they believe that to be. What do you think is the, the most common misconception about that algorithm? Probably a misconception that I've made. Uh, I believe that was a misconception around weight. But I can't remember. Exactly no, no, I just, just wonder if you think there's mistakes that people are making generally about how they. Well, I think that weight. Um, well, in reference to yours, I can't remember exactly what the mistake was. But um, weight is really about the likes, the comments on that particular post, and then when someone goes through that link, if they share that that link as well, so that affects that link's performance on the open graph, and it goes up um, on the Facebook newsfeed. Fantastic! I've got a question down the front here. I should point out it is hilarious when people go from corner to corner of the room. So if anyone up in the top corner up there wants to have a question. Hi, good presentation. Thank you. Um, I'd like to ask, obviously, you know, with, with all your magazines, you've got a huge amount of weight that you can, you know, and, and, a, and a, uh, Will's mum, you know, great, you can, you can use her, so to speak. Um, when, when third-party agencies come to you with ideas, and I'm sure there's millions of social agencies, you know, all people coming in with ideas and uh, saying, we'd like to do this, we'd like to do that. Um, do, do, do many of those ideas carry any weight? Because they don't necessarily, when agencies come in, carry the same kind of weight that you've got when you've got all your magazines. So you can work around your magazines, but an independent has a lot of problems building up that kind of social equity. And does that make it harder for agencies? Uh, it does, and I think um, before you get to this kind of model, you've got to focus on you know, building your brand and building your social footprint. If you look at people like Gary Vaynerchuk from Wine Library TV, you know, he didn't have a brand, personal brand a couple of years ago, and he started Wine Library TV, and now he's got half a million Twitter followers, um, a huge video show, and things like that, and he's just basically turned into a wine critic. So um, really, I think if you can't work on this model, then you need to ask some serious questions about your brand and think about, you know, is your creative right, is your content right around that creative and how are you distributing it and have that plan first and then I think by using social stories and having an engaged community you can build it up and uh, actually we don't work with any agencies at all so it's all in-house stuff. Um, It comes from um, editors and journalists themselves. Fantastic. Any more questions? Oh, two. Okay, let's try and work out the best way across. Don't mind me, just standing on your MacBook. There we go. Cheers. Um, thanks, mate. I can't help but asking this because of the fact that there's the MLB sign behind you there. But um, are there any kind of um, potentially um, shortcuts that you'd advise or, or maybe that you've used for building up your um, social profile in terms of fans and likes? and things? Uh, like that? I don't really like that idea of shortcutting. I think you really have to be very genuine in the social space to really make it work. And I think it's about, you know, if you've got a distinct voice and a personality, then you really stand out and acquire those lights. I think probably the best shortcut to me is to use Facebook social stories because it's so cheap for fan acquisition at the minute. You know, the more that advertisers get involved with the Facebook platform, the, the bid rates are going to go up. So at the minute, we're, we're acquiring fans on a kind of 15 pence basis. You know, 
they're going to have a lot, a lot of long-term value. So I think that's really cheap. And, and if you've got money to spend, then that's probably the best way and the best shortcut, I'd say. But it's really about being quite genuine in the community space. Fantastic. We had another question over here. Sorry. Hi. I've got a question about the use of the authorship tags, because obviously people have commented it. You can steal the content and just fake the authorship tag to somewhere else. So what happens if Jason Calacanis nicks your content changes the author tag to point to another profile? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a simple question, uh, but I, I don't know, to be honest with that. Um, I think over the long term you would be found out and busted, so um, I would never advise that. I think it's, it's sort so you, of like... So you're actually putting on author tags now? Oh, uh, we will be, yeah. I mean, we're not right now, but um, we have the setup to allow it, so why not? And I think it's worthwhile. Fantastic. So we can have a round of applause for James there. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on the internet at www.internetmarketingpodcast.org where you'll find show notes, links, and instructions on how to subscribe. We would absolutely love to get feedback, comments, and questions from you. If you want to send an email, send it to kelvin.newman at sitevisibility.com. Also, feel free to comment on the website. And if you'd like to use our voice line number... If you're outside of the UK, it's plus four four one two seven three two five six one five zero. If you're inside the UK, it's o one two seven three two five six one five zero. And you can leave a voice, comment, or question, and we'll play it on the show. Also, we would absolutely be delighted if you would give us a, a rating on iTunes itself. Well, that's it for now. Andy White signing off until next week on Internet Marketing. Mm-hmm.